Thanks for joining the One Cause Church podcast, Building a Better Life. For more information about our church, service times, and resources, please check us out on the web at www.onecausechurch.com. You can also search One Cause Church on Facebook and on Twitter. God bless you. Good morning. Good morning. Praise God. I'm so glad to be in church. Yeah. I, don't, I think that I could, we could probably do that song, Great I Am, every week, and I don't think I'd ever get tired of that. That song rocks my world big time. I don't particularly like singing it because it's like up here, but it's a great song. Amen. I love this, this praise team that we have here. I really appreciate you, Candace, and all of you guys who, who so faithfully serve. You're a huge blessing. It's easy to enter into praise and worship here. It's easy to just walk in and, and, and get right into the flow of the Spirit of God. I've been to churches where that's not so easy, Right? Most of the time, because people make it hard, yeah. right? They want to take us through a process. They don't take us from the outer court to the inner court to the Holy of Holies, like we're back there somewhere in the desert out there with the Israelites without Jesus on the scene, right? Rather than just come freely into the house of God and worship because he made a way for all of us to have direct access to the Father by his blood. Amen. He made us holy enough to be who we are today, standing in right standing with God Almighty. Aren't you grateful for Jesus today? What that teaches us is that if God is able, we are able. If God is able, I said if God is able, then we are able. Amen. Nothing is impossible to those who will believe that. Jesus said the limits are off, hallelujah, when you just believe him. All things are possible. Anybody believe that there is possibility? Okay, well, if you don't believe it, I hope that you end up believing that before we leave here today because I want you to understand something, that Jesus Christ is the way to possibility. You get your eyes on him, then you'll keep your eyes on the possibility. Amen. Amen. So, so glad to have all of you here today. And I want to say hi to uh, Rick Johnson who's here, I didn't get a chance to really address you last week, who was in the hospital, had a open heart surgery, and here he is with us, praise God, today. And uh, we thank God for what the doctors did, for their wisdom and for their, their knowledge and helping him get better. But we also thank God for the power of the Holy Spirit and for the anointing of the Spirit who caused him to go speedily into recovery. I mean, there, there's already been some testimony. We talked about it at the doctor. For one, that he was alive still. That was, <laughs> that was a testimony in and of itself. But God uh, truly is with him, and, and I just thank God. Thank, I'm glad you're here today with us, Brother Rick. All right. Now... If you would, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 20. Anybody guess? How did you know? How did you know? Psalm 23. And we don't even have a casket here. That's where you hear it most, right? (laughs) Hear it at funerals. It's it's interesting that almost everybody knows this psalm. They do. Very familiar to us. It's a very comforting scripture. And I think it should be read at funerals and pronounced at funerals, but there are things about this, this chapter that are extraordinary to life. And uh, I think that if we make this psalm one of the ways that we live our lives and understand the truths that are in it for our life today, praise God, um, then we don't have to wait till we're dead before uh, somebody reads it over us. All right? That yeah. you can live this thing. This word of yeah. God is to be lived, yeah. not yeah. to be eulogizing your life. Amen? Yeah. 
All right, so we're going to get some really powerful things this morning. I don't want you to turn me off and say, oh, Psalm 23, I already know it. All right, now there's a tendency to do that to, to when we get into something so familiar like this that you kind of just check out. And I'm asking you, don't check out. Yeah. All right, stay in here. Stay with me. You're going to learn some new things today. You're going to learn some good things. They're going to help your life and things that you can take home with you. And you're going to see a new thing in your life happen. I believe that because that's what the Word of God is able to do. It's powerful. It's powerful. It's relevant for our lives right now where we're living. Amen. So I want to encourage you to grab a hold of this word today. If you're taking notes, please take notes. Please write down. And if you're not taking notes, change your mind and start taking notes today. <laughs> uh, normally I have uh, you follow on, um, what is that called? Oh, yeah, version. But um, I was not able to get the notes together for this today. So I do apologize that you'd have to actually use a pen, paper, or your little screen to type. Don't want to hurt you too much. Don't want to put you out too much. But... Uh, <laughs> Psalm chapter 23, and when you have found it, I want us all just to, actually, no, you can stay seated. You can stay seated. I'll let you stay seated. We've already stood up and sat down enough today. Let's just say this together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for these next few moments under the inspiration of your word. Thank you for revelation knowledge, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ to rest now upon your people. Lord, that their hearts and minds would be wide open to receive what you have. Lord, we set our hearts on you at this moment. We open our ears to hear what you say to us. And Lord, we gladly receive your word coming into our lives. Because we know, God, your word gives us the power to live the God kind of life. In the name of Jesus and all God's people, shout it! Amen. Amen. All right. Now, let's jump right into this. I've just simply titled this as our last sermon today, last in, in our series called Before the Giant. And uh, we've really been walking through the life of David, especially the first week, and how, what prepared him to face that giant and look at the things that he experienced before that day. And then last week we talked about these lions that try to come out at us and, 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 and dissuade us and persuade us and move us away from what God has for us. One of them was compromise, the other one is crisis, one was contradiction, and the other one was condemnation. And if uh, you didn't get to hear last week, you can go on to our website, onecausechurch.com, and hit the podcast button and you can download it. It's all free for you, all right? The name of the game is the name in the game, all right? This is what we're going to learn today. You know, it's believed by many that the King David, before he faced that giant today, that he quoted Psalm chapter 23. It wasn't that he necessarily had it, uh, had it in a book already. He was actually wrote that. He was in the moment right here, all right? In the moment. And that, that, that he was there 
looking out over that valley, looking at that giant, and began to speak this incredible, incredible word. Now, what we're going to learn today is that David knew something about God that we all need to remember and know and live by every day of our lives. One thing is, is that he had covenant with God. And the way that covenant was expressed was by the name of God. All right? By understanding the name of God. God set Israel at a, in a favorable position in the earth. He delivered them out of Egypt. And if you remember uh, Moses, when he, when he met with him there in the wilderness and the bush was burning and it wasn't being consumed and Moses was standing there with his sandals off and, and, and he, said, he said, who do I say sent me? Who am I going to say is telling me that it's time for us to get out of here? And he said, you tell them I am that I am sent you. I am that I am. That is his covenant name. I am that I am. What is it that you need? I am that. What is it that you want? I am that. I am your God. Amen. And that, and that, and ages passed, and, and, and centuries went on, and men began to cry out these covenant names, these names of God. And it's interesting that in this small little chapter, just these six verses, somehow, some way, I don't think it was man's ability that was able to put this together, but King David, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, put these eight covenant names of God all throughout this text. Before he saw the giant, he began to remember who God is. Before he fought the giant, no, not before he saw him, he saw him. Before he fought the giant, he remembered who his God was. And in order to ensure victory for you, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to have to remember the Lord. Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. In doing that, you proclaim my death. That is my victory that was established through my death. Amen? So it's kind of interesting, though. And the, and the, reason, the reason people believe that, that this happened right here, Psalm chapter 23, is because there's an interesting word, the word for valley in 23 verse 4, which we'll look at in, two, in just a moment. Uh, we quoted it already, the valley of the shadow of death. It was used only two other places. That is in David's life. He, it's right here. It's the, it's the Hebrew word G-Y, and it means valley but it, uh, or, or, a, or a deep rut, but it also is mentioned Throughout of all of David's historic, the, the, the whole historical account of David's life, it's only found two other places, and it's in 1 Samuel chapter 17, the day he faced that giant. Psalm 23, it's there, and 1 Samuel 17, it says, The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley, this G-Y, between them. 52 of that same chapter says, Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley and to the gates of Ekron. Interesting. So that's why they believe that this is, this is what David was, at this moment, he's looking out over that valley, in Psalm 23, this, these words begin to come flooding out of him. And he says the first thing, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why is he likening Jesus to it? Why isn't he saying the Lord is my warrior? I mean, he's going to battle. The Lord is my president. <laughs> 
The Lord is my strength. The Lord, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. What he's saying is, I belong to him. I belong to him. Everybody say, Roe. It's the first covenant name that we're going to see here. Jehovah Roe, R-O-H-I, and it means the Lord, my shepherd, or the Lord, my overseer. The first thing he says, he names this name that only Israel could name. Only the children of God can name it. Only those that were in covenant with God could understand it and could, uh, could benefit from it. Are you hearing me today? All right. Now, it says that the Lord, my shepherd, Jesus said in John chapter 10, thousands of years later, to him the doorkeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Isn't that powerful? That today, we still, as the children of God in this New Testament age, we still have him as our shepherd. There's a great belonging in that. There's a great acceptance in that, see? And God likens us to sheep because sheep depend on a shepherd. They have no defense for themselves. They're completely at the mercy of this shepherd. Wherever he leads them, they're, they have to totally trust him. And they, 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 they obey voice commands. They only, they, and, and what's interesting about sheep is that they know the voice of the shepherd and they won't hear anything else. And Jesus calls this, us that, that we, as the children of God, we have this inroad to the voice of God so that we can know that we know that we know. You don't have to be a Christian and be confused. It's not God's will for you. It's his will that you know his voice. And when you know his voice, then you can know where you're going. Amen. You don't have to worry about it. You can trust him because he's the shepherd. You're not the shepherd. You're the sheep. Right? He's not calling you sheep because you're dumb, because sheep are dumb. They are dumb animals. But because they depend on the shepherd. See, we were made, we were fashioned, we were created in such a way that we depend on God. Yet men, in their arrogance and their ignorance, are out there trying to live their own life thinking that they have a right to it, thinking that they own their, nobody's going to tell me what to do, right? Thinking they own their own life when the Bible says, hey, 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 you've been bought with a price. You are not your own. The blood of Jesus, God bought you back. He started your life, friend. You wouldn't have life if it wasn't for him. You owe him your life. Amen? We all owe him our life. He's our shepherd. And when we understand that, see, then we can have direction, clear direction for our life. We can know where we're going, and that voice will lead us into everything that God has for us. Now, let's go to verse 2. Stay with me. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Jehovah Shalom. Here we see the Lord, my peace. Green pastures and still waters. Won't you just say that? Green pastures and still waters. Green pastures and still waters. See, that's the beauty about the peace of God. It's able to surpass all understanding the Bible teaches us. It cannot be conjured, it cannot be comprehended, but it can be lived. And it can be experienced. The peace of God is not that which removes the storm, you out of the storm, but the peace of God is that which removes the storm out of you. So that no matter what you face in life, you got peace. No matter where you go, you have peace. No matter what you experience, 
I have peace because it's on the inside. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is the prince. Ephesians 2, 14 says, For he himself is our peace. He himself, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the greatest things that ever happened was this event when the shepherds were in a field and, 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 and late one night with their sheep and the angel of the Lord came to them and said, peace on earth. Peace on earth. This message that was coming, the Son of God who was coming was bringing a peace that man had never ever known before. Thank God. Now, are you with me still? Verse 3, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. Here we see our healer, don't we? Jehovah Rapha. Now, now there are a couple of different spellings. You can spell R-O-P-H-E or R-A-P-H-A. Rapha or Rophe. I don't know the proper way to say it. I'm doing my best up here. All right? I don't speak Hebrew. The Lord, my healer. You know what? It is God's will that you are healed. It is God's will that you live your life in wholeness and health and vitality all the days of your life. It is his will. I, I think I need a better amen than that. I said it is God's will that you live in health. And you have, see, God already made up his mind about your healing. You have to make up your mind about it. He already made up his mind. He already set it in motion. When he made sure that his son took those stripes upon his back to ensure your healing, to pay for it, he made up his mind. He's not going to do that and then just decide, well, I'll do whatever I want to do. You know, I mean, if Jesus were in the deal, if he had a choice, he says, Father, I this whole beating thing at that post, and I'm going to be enduring the stripes that I'm going to be receiving on my back for people's healing, I'm good with that. But if you're going to do what you want to anyway, and that, that might not matter or it might because you're sovereign and you're going to just change your mind and do what you can I just opt out of that? Because if it's not for everybody all the time, <laughs> I think I'll just, if we can just go around that, that part, we can just skip that part, right? If he did it for one, he did it for all of us. And by his stripes, we are healed. How many of you believe that, how many of you believe that the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus washed everybody's sins away? How many, how many of you are thankful to God that today, that, that someday when we stand up before him, he's going to say, well, I changed my mind. The blood applied to everybody but you. Now, you're not going to feel good about that. You're not going to go at that moment, well, you're sovereign. Right? You're going to go, no! Why? Yeah. Right? It's not going to happen because it does apply. He washed all your sins away. In the very same afternoon that blood was shed for your sins, stripes were born on his back for your healing. Yeah. Yeah. And just as sure as... As, as salvation is for everyone, healing is for everyone. So you have a right then to healing. Now you have to understand this. This is the, in a covenant that has been made from God to us. In a covenant, you have rights. Now, how many of you are Americans in here? Hmm? Now, if you are an American in here, Virginie, I know she wants to be American so bad, but bless her heart, born in Frenchie town, but... We're glad she's here. How many of you like your rights? Yeah. yeah. You appreciate those rights. 
You appreciate those rights. Now, you, you would never accept, you would never accept that some doofus showed up at your house in a suit representing the government of the United States and said, well, most Americans have rights, but not you. We have a different set of standards for you. You ain't going to accept that. Hmm? You're going to punch that dude right in the mouth. Right? You're not going to take that. Because you have rights. And in the kingdom of God, by God's own choosing, not your choosing, God gave this to us. He gave this to us. He says, I give you rights. And one of those rights is healing. That means you don't have a right to sickness and you don't have a right to disease and you don't have a right to, to, um, to brokenness. You don't have a right to it. Those all come from the devil. They do. God gives healing. And God can't give you something he don't have. <laughs> That's why he said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he has. But I have life and that more abundantly. Amen. Let's continue. Are you with me still? Everybody all right? Okay. 3B of Psalm chapter 23. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. I love this one. Now we see this fourth covenant name show up called Jehovah. Everybody say this. Sidkanu. Sidkanu. T-S-I-D-K-E-N-U. Sid canoe, and it means the Lord my righteousness. Hallelujah. See, that's what's beautiful about righteousness is that it's not your righteousness. Your righteousness wasn't even righteousness. It, it, well, self-righteousness is what it equal to, which is just as good as sin. It's equal to sin. Self-righteousness equals sin. But the righteousness of faith, the righteousness of God, hallelujah, comes to us, and David said, you're the Lord, my righteousness. Now, what a revelation that is right there, that you're not righteous by who you are or what you do, but by who he is and what he did. For God made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we would become the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. And you're never going to understand that, re- that righteousness if you do not believe that it's true. Don't base your righteousness on how you feel or how you perform or how you think. You have to base your righteousness simply on believing that the grace of God is that abundant to you, that God is that good, that Jesus really did become sin so that you could become something altogether different. Amen. That you could become the righteousness of God in him. Not the person who can do righteous things, but the righteousness of God. He changed your very nature and righteousness became the fruit of your nature. Amen. He is the Lord, your righteousness. And I want you to understand that today. You need to continue to say that. You need to continue to think that way. I want you to say this with me. I am am the righteousness of God God. in Christ. Because Christ is my righteousness. Amen. Amen. He gave you his righteousness. As you sit here in this building today, As a child of God, if you are a child of God, you've you've put your faith in Christ as your Savior and Lord. As a child of God, sitting here on planet Earth on April the 29th, 2012, just a few months before it's all over, December 21st, right? (laughs) Don't quote me on that. That was a joke. All right. Um, I lost my train of thought now. 2012, you are today just a... As righteous as Jesus Christ Himself. That's right. That's good. 
Three of you like that. You, as you sit here today, see, uh, uh, the problem is a lot of times we check out at that moment. We go, oh, no, no, no. No, 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 no. Not after, I mean, no. Yeah. 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 Just as righteous as Jesus himself. Let that sink in for just a moment. You are just as righteous. Because righteousness is not something that you grow in. It's something that you already are. You're not 30% righteous right now, and then you're working up to another 10%, hopefully here in the next few months. You're 100% righteous. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. He gave you his righteousness. Hallelujah. That's, that's what gives you credence with God. That's what gives you a right place with God. That's why you can come boldly before the throne of grace, like that scripture was read this morning, to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because you're just like him. All right. I could preach on righteousness all day. Just wish, yeah, I'm just not very passionate about it. Let's go to verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the what? Shadow of death, I will fear no evil for what? You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come from me. I love that. Your rod and your staff, they come from me. Now, I was a kid, I got my backside beat off. I just did, and I appreciate it now, but never a day in my life when it was experiencing it did I appreciate it. And I knew my dad loved me, and boy, did he ever show it. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I didn't know what it was doing for me. Except my dad would quote the Bible to me, you know, and tell me things like, I don't want to do this. I'm like, well, why are you smiling then? Because it seems like you want to do it. I'm just kidding. But he would say, he would open up the scriptures to me. And it's already bad enough, you know, that your dad is there implementing this. Then he gets God on his side in the deal, right? And you're totally outnumbered. And he says things like, see this, says, spare the rod, spoil the child, train up a child in the way he should go. If I don't, as a matter of fact, there's one, one proverb that, man, that would, it would hurt a lot of people's feelings in here today that says, if you don't beat him, he will die. Wait, I thought if you beat him, he would die. Now, if that kid, that's what a kid thinks. Well, if you beat me, I will die. The scripture says, if you beat him, he won't die. Matter of fact, it says that rod, it drives foolishness far from him. Man, I tell you, I had more foolishness jump out of the top of my head when that paddle came across my rear end. It just, just goes away. Oh, 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 yes, I have understanding now. This makes perfect sense. <laughs> now, let me say this. The rod that the shepherd used was not to beat the sheep. The rod was used on the wolf. The rod was used on those things on the outside that would try to come and steal the sheep. The staff for the sheep. It had a crook in it, and if the sheep began to wander off, he would take that staff and put him back in line. Oh, stay there. Stay on, stay, stay on the road. Stay on the path. Stay on the path. Hmm? Stay on the path. That's what that board did for me. Great correction. I appreciate it today. But it's comforting to know that you're loved. It's comforting to know that you're loved. The Bible says whoever the Lord loves, he chastens. 
Now, God's not out there. God's rod and his staff are not car accidents, cancer, sickness, precarious situations, hurricanes, tornadoes. Those are not God's rod and staff. His word is his rod and his staff. His word is what brings correction into our life. Amen. Amen. He showed us to, that to us over and over and over again. But you know what's interesting to me? If that's the case, if sickness is part of God's rod or his staff, uh, well, I don't know what the Lord, I don't know how many times I've talked to people, I don't know what the Lord's trying to teach me through this. I don't know. I wish he'd hurry up and teach me. I had somebody tell me this one time. I was standing at Home Depot. She had this big wrap around her leg. She was saying, boy, the Lord, he's really working on me. The Lord? And I'm going to guess that you got that wrap from the hospital. And I'm going to guess you're probably on medication to help that leg. So then I'm going to have to say that you're fighting the will of God then. If this is God's will, don't take the medicine. Don't go to the hospital. Yep. Let his will be done. Huh? It's, it's erroneous. It's ridiculous. Right? He came to heal. He came to heal. Hmm? The people that say that kind of thing have a double standard. They build hospitals and put their church names on them and say, if God been picking on you, come over here and we'll help you out. But accept that it's God's will. But here's some medicine, so fight it. Does that make any sense at all? I just go, can we just take that thought, just two more, just two more steps. Y'all get too quiet on me now. Where are we? I got off a, where are we? Oh, it's riding staff. <laughs> Sorry, got off on healing again. All right, he's riding the staff. He says they cover, now let, everybody say this with me, Jehovah Shammah. You got to growl, Shammah. All right, you're just beginning to speak in tongues with that word. It's wonderful. S-H-A-M-M-A, Shama, and it means the Lord my companion. Now imagine the shepherd boy is looking out over this whole scene. And these are the things he's saying. He's my shepherd. The Lord is my, my healer. The Lord is my peace. The Lord is my righteousness. The Lord is my companion. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? We got to hurry. All right. Verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare a table before me. Where? Now we think about gathering with friends to eat, right? Think about being with those that you love and you go out to eat or something. But he says, you're going to have a table prepared before you in the presence of your enemies. I want you to say this with me, Jehovah Nissi. <clears throat> it's N-I-S-S-I. N-I-S-S-I, and it means the Lord my victory. The Lord my victory. See, Jesus has so dealt with your enemy, <coughs> has so conquered him, he has so defeated him. <coughs> As a matter of fact, the scripture says, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Right? So what he offers us in the, middle, in the midst of the war, in the midst of the enemies, is to come and sit down and eat. <sighs> Isn't this wonderful? Here, eat. What a slap in the face that is to your enemy. Man, he wants to fight, right? And you're just sitting there eating. Yeah, I see you, debt. 
trouble, sickness, disease. Can't touch me. Leave me alone. I'm eating. Right? Now, this is the greatest picture of spiritual warfare, if you ask me. That you come to a banqueting table that he provides for you, and you feast on him. Because the banquet, the table that he sets before us is him. His body and his blood. He said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this as often as you eat it in remembrance of me. Take, drink, this is the new covenant. This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. And watch all of your enemies fall before you. You're no match for the devil by yourself. So pull up a chair to the table of the Lord and let him, let his victory, let his victory work on your behalf. Amen? You believe that today? Isn't that great? He calls us to a place of rest. Jesus did all the conquering he needed to do, and we ensure that victory by being seated at his table. Amen. Now, I like this word. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Everybody say, Jehovah Mikadesh. Mikadesh. I have no idea if that's how you pronounce it, but I'm throwing a shot at it, all right? M apostrophe K A D D E S H. M apostrophe K A D D E S H. And it means the Lord, my sanctifier, or the one who sets me apart. That's what the anointing does for your life. It sets you apart from everything else. King David was anointed. Actually, not King David, Shepherd David was anointed to be king. Was as a young man, as a boy, called off of the field, out of the wilderness with the sheep, brought him in the house, they poured that oil over his head, and guess what David did? He went back out in the field. Because his anointing was not dependent. His anointing was not dependent upon his place. His anointing was his place. His anointing was not dependent was not, was not going to function at the right time, at the right place. His anointing was already at work on him. His anointing didn't just happen when he sat on the throne. He was already anointed for the throne. And sitting on the throne was just one more move in the anointing. Yeah. Yeah. Just one more move in the anointing. Going before the giant was just one more move in the anointing. We got funny ideas about the anointing. That we have to set up this certain atmosphere before the anointing can flow. We have, to, we have to be in the right kind of place. We have to be in the right kind of environment for the anointing to flow. And instead of understanding that we are already anointed by God Almighty, you're not any more anointed than you are to, the, right here in this church as you are in your own bathroom at your house. You're just as anointed. The same Holy Ghost is with you always. All right? I'm, I'm just tired of seeing this stuff. Oh, boy, the anointing was so strong. And no, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to lose you. All right? And the reason that happens sometimes is just because we decide, to get, we, we decide to give in to the anointing. We decide to let the anointing flow. But you can live in that anointing all the days of your life. You can experience this power all the days of your life. You don't have to wait for a certain meeting or a certain, a certain church service to go to. Are you hearing me? David was anointed and went back to the field. Anointed. Right? I mean, I don't know. I'm tired of sitting in those services where the preacher gets up there and he's like, hold on, hold on. Everybody quiet. Nobody move. The anointing is flowing in here. We don't want to grieve the spirit. Oh, I can't stand that kind of talk. 
We don't want to grieve the spirit. Don't move, don't move, don't move. I mean, it's so fragile, it could just be gone like that. Just, oh, hold on, hold on. Well, I don't see that in the scripture. I mean, I see this guy thinking he's something other than what he is. But when I see the scripture, Jesus is walking and this crowd is thronging him, right? It's chaos at its best. There's nobody on the organ back there, hallelujah. And we're setting up this perfect environment, right, so that the anointing can be free to flow. But yet Jesus is out there in this crowd and people are, Jesus, ah, ah. I mean, there's people going all crazy. They're clawing each other, going nuts. Everybody's trying to touch Jesus. And one woman gets right in there. The woman with the issue of blood, she reaches out, she grabs a hold of it, and the anointing of the Holy Ghost flows right into her, and she becomes completely whole right in the middle of all that. Now, why can't we just be like that? Amen. Amen. Well, we got to set up a certain atmosphere and just be the atmosphere of the Holy Ghost. Come on. Come on. You are the atmosphere yes. of the anointing of the Spirit of God. Oh, amen. Hallelujah. Pastor Eric, that is good preaching. Yes. Keep, okay. All right. It sets us apart. The anointing is what sets us apart. So you are anointed for a purpose. That's the thing that, that gives you the ability to be the kind of person that you are, to be the kind of person that God's called you to be. Yes. <sighs> Okay, let's keep going. Almost done. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I need you, Jason, and I need you, Casey, to come up here for just a moment. Goodness and mercy. They shall do what? Follow me all the days of my life. Where I go, goodness and mercy go. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Where I go, goodness and mercy go. Where I go, goodness and mercy go. Where I go. I did that on purpose. But look, look, I tripped and fell. But guess who's here? Goodness and mercy are still here. Now hang on, hang on, hang on. See, we, we expect we got to perform for this thing. In order to be, have goodness and mercy around us, we got to put ourselves in the, in the environment. We got to live right. We got we to toe the line. We got to walk the straight and narrow. I thank God that it's not dependent on that. I thank God that God's going to be good no matter what I do. So when I look behind me after I've tripped and fallen, I look back and I see, oh God, you're good and you're merciful. Yeah. Good. Here I go a few more steps in my life, and yeah, I make bad decisions, and I do stupid stuff, and I turn up, oh, there they are again. Goodness and mercy just following me. Goodness and mercy following me. I want to think about all the bad things I've done, but when I look back, all I see is goodness and mercy. I want to think about the failures. I want to think about reasons why I can't go forward. When I look back, I see goodness and mercy. Everybody say Jehovah Jireh. The Lord, my provider. He provided this. You didn't conjure this up. You couldn't make this happen. He just provided it for you. And what's so cool about God is not only does he have this following you so that when you look back, you see that, you look forward, and you also see this other dynamic we talked about last week. Christ has become high priest of the good things to come. So we have goodness behind us. We have goodness in front of us. And all we are surrounded with is goodness. Here's the thing. Ladies and gentlemen, that right there alone will make you live right. Amen. 
That right there alone will make you live right. When God just keeps you in the environment of his grace, when he keeps you in the environment of his mercy, because it's that, at that location, it's at the place where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Thank you, gentlemen. Are you hearing me? It's at that location of sin. Where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. See, we think that when we sin that we get out of grace. But see, it's at that place of sin that grace abounds. Now, sin is not the one that, that sin is not the kickstart to the grace. Grace came so that sin would not have dominion over you. And right there at your greatest point of weakness, you can know his greatest strength called grace. Are you hearing me? That way you can just get up and shake that thing off and never do it again. And if you do do it again, I'm here to encourage you today that no matter what, no matter how many times, and no, and that God is still with you and that his goodness is still there, his grace still abounds to you because I don't care how many times you sin, you ain't sinned near as much as he's graced. Amen. Amen. Scripture says sin, where sin increased, but it says where that happened, grace superabounded. That's way more than increase. Super abounded. If you'll just let him swallow you up in his grace, if you'll just let his grace swallow you up, sin will not be an issue in your life. Amen. 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 Two more minutes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Charlie. You see this incredible thing. The shepherd boy takes time, takes time to remember his covenant. He takes time to remember his God, and he calls on his name. And then in 1 Samuel chapter 17, this secret weapon is released. In verse 45, if you remember right before this, the, the giant said, you come at me with sticks. You come with a little boy. This is the best you can do. David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. Give me everything you got, sucker, because I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Hallelujah. All David understood is he, all he needed was the name of the living God. That's what will cause you to overcome in every area of your life. That's what will cause you to slay every giant that comes your way. That's what will cause you to defeat the lions and the bears. That will overcome every obstacle. That will erase every challenge. Hallelujah. That will remove the sickness and disease from your midst. That will cause you to rise above those circumstances. To, to, to fly like an eagle to mount up with wings like eagles, to run and not grow weary, to walk and not faint, to keep your eyes on the author and the finisher of your faith. Hallelujah. To keep you enduring till the end. The name of the Lord. Goliath didn't see that one coming. So based on that, Goliath, I'm going to chunk a rock at you and I'm going to show you how easy this is. And all it took was a sling and a stone because of the name of the Lord. Jehovah Roe, Goliath, he's here. Jehovah Shalom, Goliath, is here. Jehovah Rapha is here. Jehovah Tzidkanu is with me. Jehovah Shama is here. Jehovah Nissi 
is Aki. Jehovah Mikadesh is on my side. Jehovah Jireh is going to provide the victory today. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Once again, thanks for joining the One Cause Church podcast, Building a Better Life. We invite you to check us out on the web at www.onecausechurch.com for upcoming events and information about us. God bless you.